Hey everyone, thank you for checking out our podcast here at Victory Hill Church. Over the next few moments, our lead pastor, Aaron Begley, is going to share an impactful message with you from the Bible. We hope that it will encourage you to connect with God and connect with others. Hey, let's jump right into it today. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the book of Philippians. We are in week two of a series we launched last week entitled Kingdom Culture. And the foundational scripture for this series is found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, that says, Whatever happens, whether life is good or life is bad, whether you're struggling through things or you're having hardships in life, whatever happens, there's no excuse, there's no way out, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Last week we said this word conduct in the original language could be translated to this words, live as a citizen. That whatever happens, no matter what goes on in this world, no matter what you go through, conduct yourselves as a citizen, live as a citizen, not of this world, but live as a citizen of heaven. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're looking at what does it look like to live as a citizen of a spiritual kingdom, and how does that interact with the earthly kingdom in which we live in? And so last week as we started this series, we said, hey, you need to live some kingdom values. If we're going to live as citizens of the kingdom of God, then we need to live out the kingdom values. So we talked about things like selflessness. We talked about joy, that, that's a value of the kingdom. Surrender is a value of the kingdom. Honor is a value of the kingdom. And this week, I want to talk to you about something different. I want to talk to you about kingdom attitudes, uh, that our kingdom attitudes should be different than the things of this world. And so if you would, let me pray over our message today. Dear Heavenly Father, open our ears to hear, God. God, let us see everything that we need to see in Scripture so, God, we can learn what it really looks like to live as citizens of heaven. God, allow the message to be applicable, God. God, allow it to change us from the inside out, God. And God, anoint your word as it goes forward today. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Kingdom attitudes. You see, attitude is an important thing in life. Maybe you've heard this quote, but there's a quote that says, your attitude determines your altitude. That, that your attitude determines your altitude. Like how far you go is going to be determined by the attitude in which you have. I've heard it said that if all things are equal, if your qualifications are equal, if your education and experience are equal, then go with the person who has the best attitude. If you're a student in here today, you've probably heard your parents say at some point or another, you need to watch your attitude. I don't know how you watch it. You can't see it with your own eyes, but we've told them you need to watch your attitude. We've all experienced people who have had good attitudes. And when you meet somebody who has a good attitude, it, it kind of rubs off on you. But we've also experienced the opposite. We've experienced maybe in the hospitality industry sometimes people who have bad attitudes. And, and you walk away and say, man, I don't know why they have such a bad attitude. And, and it reflects and, and it shows and, and it, has, uh, it, it goes to work on you. And so we've seen what attitude can be. Some of you in this room, you've probably looked at someone at some point in some time and said, you know what? I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going I'm to tell them what I think. What, what are you talking about? You're talking about your attitude. John Maxwell said, people may hear what you say. They may hear what you say, but they feel your attitude. 
And so we have this ideal of attitude, but, but what is it really? What, what is it when we talk about an attitude? How do we really define it? How do we wrap our heads around? How do we have a kingdom attitude? I mean, we, we hear that it's something sometimes that you feel and, and something that sometimes maybe you can say. And, and then the Bible actually has quite a bit to say about our attitude. But if we're to get a definition of attitude, Webster's Dictionary says attitude is a set of thoughts or feelings that results in a behavior. A set of thoughts or feelings that results in a behavior. One psychologist said it this way, an attitude is a learned tendency that results in behavior. An attitude is a learned tendency that results in behavior. If we take both of those definitions, I think a great working definition of attitude is this. Attitude is a learned way of thinking that results in a behavior. That your attitude is a learned way of thinking. You've, you've learned a certain way that you're going to think about stuff. And because of that learned way of uh, thinking, you have a specific behavior. And so it's a learned way of thinking that results in a behavior. That's our attitude. Now here's the good news about attitude. Is that we need to understand that attitude is by choice and not by chance. You get to choose your attitude. It's by choice and it's not by chance. It's a learned way of thinking that results in a behavior, and I can choose the way that I'm going to think. And so the good news is this, if it's by choice and not by chance, then you can unlearn some things that you've learned in, throughout life. If you've learned a bad attitude, guess what? You can unlearn that bad attitude. If you've learned a way of responding when someone has a different opinion than you, guess what? You can learn a new way of responding. You can unlearn the way that you've seen things. You can change your attitude. If you are easily offended by someone's view, guess what? You can learn something different. You can change your attitude. If you're a parent here, guess what? You've probably looked at your kids and said at some point, you need to have an attitude adjustment, right? You see, and in the kingdom of God, I think we need to have some attitude adjustments. We have learned some things that we need to change in order to live with a kingdom attitude. That you've learned some things and your behavior is reflecting those things, but what you have learned can change because attitude is, not by, is by choice and not by chance. So you've learned some things. You see, you don't have to get up in the morning and wonder if how I feel is going to dictate my attitude today. I tell my boys every morning before they go to school, you're going to have a great day. Why are you going to have a great day? Because you can choose to have a great day. Why? Because your attitude is by choice and not by chance. And so I can decide that in the morning how I feel in that morning isn't going to reflect the rest of my day because it's a learned way of thinking that results in a behavior. I can learn to wake up every single day and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it because guess what? That is a change of attitude. It's a change of thinking that's going to result in a different behavior. And so in the book of Philippians, Paul writes a lot actually about our attitude. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be in chapter 2 all day today. It says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude. What's attitude? It's a learned way of thinking that results in a behavior that, that your life and your attitude should reflect the attitude that Christ came into this world and gave us. 
You should act differently is what it tells us. You should not look like the things of this world. We are citizens of heaven, and as citizens of heaven, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we've got to act differently. We've got to respond differently. We've got to live differently. There should be a difference in the way that you love people. Why? Because your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. We don't love the same way that the world loves people because most of the time in the world, people only love individuals that can do something for them. But my attitude is different. My, my thought process, the way I'm going to behave towards people is an attitude of love. I'm not going to think the same way that everybody else in this world thinks. In this world, they'll tell you, look out for yourself. Look out for your own best interests. Only be concerned about your own things that are going on. But guess what? I'm going to think differently. I'm not going to think about the way everybody else thinks. Why? Because I'm going to have an attitude that is the same as Christ Jesus. I'm going to learn some things that's going to result in a behavior that's going to look different than this world. Guess what? We shouldn't respond to crisis the same way that everybody else in the world responds to crisis. Can I tell you, like over the last like year and a half, we've, we've taken on the world's model of responding to crisis. We're like, oh, all this stuff is going on. Guess what? No, I don't respond that way. Why? Because I've got a learned way of thinking that's resulting in a behavior of faith and trust and confidence in God. And so I'm just sitting back and saying, God, hey, I'm going to have that same attitude. I do not live as a citizen of this world. I live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. We are citizens of a spiritual kingdom. And our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. I love the way it, it, the Bible puts it in the living version. Let me show it to you here. Your attitude should be the kind that was shown us by Jesus Christ. Like when he came to this earth, he showed us what our attitude should be. And so if your attitude is not expressing itself in the same way that Christ showed us, guess what? You need to change. Like, Christ doesn't need to change. His word doesn't need to change. You need to change because your attitude is a learned way of thinking that results in a behavior. And that means it's by, it's by choice and not by chance. So you can't be, oh, this is just how I am. No, 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 no. You make the choice. You make the choice. Am I going to show the world the same attitude that Christ showed me? And so if I'm going to have to, if I have the same, if I'm going to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, guess what? I'm going to have to unlearn some things. I'm going to have to change some things about me so that my attitude reflects the attitude of Christ. Now, let's just be honest. A lot of us don't like change, do we? I mean, like, we're, we're not necessarily excited about change. I mean, some of you walked in today and you saw new chairs and maybe the chairs were in a different area. And you're like, oh, i got to change my chairs again. Like, where am I going to sit today? Some of you walked in, you saw different floors. And you're like, I don't like the floors. Can we have the green carpet back? It's been here 25 years. Because we don't like change. Change is difficult for all of us, but we have got to decide, is my attitude going to be the same attitude that was shown to us by Christ Jesus? And if our attitude is not the same, we need an attitude adjustment. We've got to change some things about us, but we don't like change. Some of you like not liking a group of people that are around you because you're like, I'm just used to it, Aaron. That's my attitude towards them. Some of you like the prejudices you have in your life, and you don't want to change that attitude. You don't want to go, hey, I'm going to learn a different way of responding or a different way of doing things. But here's the thing, is you can learn a kingdom way of thinking that results in a kingdom way of behaving if you are willing to change. And so we need to understand, what are the kingdom attitudes? What are the things that Christ showed us that we should be living out in our lives? And so in the book of Philippians, Paul gives us four things that Paul encourages us to have if we're going to have an attitude of Christ. So if you're taking notes, 
Let me give you four things this morning so we can have an attitude that is shown to us by Christ. The first is this, is we need to have an attitude of humility. An attitude of humility. As I was prepping for this message, I kind of realized I'm sitting there going, man, I've talked a lot about humility lately. It's been on my heart because I think it's something that the kingdom of God, we need to have in the kingdom of God. I think it's something that a lot of us are lacking in this world and in our life. And here's how Paul put it in Philippians 2, verse 6 through 7. He says, though he was God, talking about Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. That he didn't see himself as equal with God, as something to hold on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Though he was God, he did not think of himself as equal to God. He gave up his divine privilege. He took a position as a slave. That the Bible tells us that when Jesus left heaven to come to earth, he he took the form of, of nothing. He made himself nothing. That he could have come down and said, hey, I am God in the flesh. He could have came down and and he could have put himself on an earthly throne and says, I am king over all. But instead, the Bible tells us that he came down and was born in a manger. He made himself nothing. He did not consider himself as equality with God. He gave up all of his rights. He could have came down and shook the earth. Everybody in the world could have known that the son of God had left heaven to come to earth. But he says, I am not going to do that. I'm going to have an added of humility. And Jesus walked into this world and he said, it's not about me. But you know what's so funny? You know what's so ironic? Is even though he walked into this world and says, it's not about me, it was all about him. The Bible tells us that by him, through him, and for him was all things created. And yet when he took the nature of a slave, a servant, was born into this world, he says, I'm coming in humility. That he is powerful. He is sovereign over all creation. But he came and he laid it all down. He could have come in power, but he decided he was going to lay it all down and come in humility. You see, as a citizen of a spiritual kingdom, you could be entitled You could want it your own way. You could fight for your own causes. But we have to lay it down. Lay down the entitlements. And say, I'm going to lay it all down to serve the needs of others. As citizens of the kingdom of heaven, guess what? It's not me first. It's not about what do I want in this world because our God was not a me first God. He says, I lay it all down. In Philippians 2, verse 3, Paul would say this. He would say, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Do nothing. Like nothing in your life. Do you know what this word nothing translates to? Nada. Okay, that's a good Greek translation for you. Nada, nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, value others above yourself. We're talking about a kingdom attitude. We're talking about a way of thinking that is so counterculture to the world that we live in. He says, I don't want you to do anything that's going to be about your own ambitions, your own selfish desires. Rather, I want you to lay down your life in humility for those that are around us. And in Philippians 2, Paul is getting at this ideal of unity, this concept of unity, that unity can only be found through humility. That if there's not humility in us, then we will lack unity in every area of our life. 
Can I tell you, if you want unity in your marriage, which will make your marriage stronger, you've got to learn to walk in humility. You want unity in your family, you've got to learn to walk in humility. You want unity in your workplace, you've got to learn to walk in humility. You may feel like you can walk in there and say, hey, I got it all together, I know all the answers, but no, I'm going to humble myself. You want unity in the body of Christ, guess what? We have to walk in humility with one another. That we say, you know what, I'm going to lay down my own interests for the interests of those that are around me. I'm not going to just try to build up my own kingdom. You see, this concerns me. You see, Paul says this. He says, if you've gained anything, in verse 1 and 2, he says, if you've gained anything from Christ, he says, be of one mind, one mission, one focus. What was the one mind, one mission, one focus? It's what we talked about last week a little bit. It's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, if being a follower of Jesus has taught you anything, be of one mind, one mission, one will, one focus. Be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he says, then he goes on and says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Let everything about your life be about the gospel. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. We got to learn to walk and have an attitude of humility and we walk in unity because humility produces unity you see what i've seen in the body of christ too much too often is he doesn't say if you don't agree with them you can just cancel them we live in this culture that's this cancel culture and we're we're canceling all these things around us but the problem is is that's kind of fallen into the body of christ It's fallen into the the kingdom of God, the church, the capital C church. And when somebody disagrees with us, you know what we want to do? We just want to write them off and cancel them. We're like, oh, I'm just not going to listen to that. I'm just going to disagree with them. And we decide that we're not going to talk to them anymore. And it's causing disunity in the body of Christ. But so we've got to learn to walk in humility. We've got to understand some people may have different perspectives and different concepts than us. But we need to sit down and have conversations with one another. This is how we walk it out in the body of Christ. We walk in unity. And the way that we walk in unity is because we have an attitude of humility that says, I don't know it all. I may not have all the answers, but I can sit down with you as a brother and sister in Christ. I'm not going to cancel you out. We're going to walk in humility together. Because guess what? When you get to heaven one day, there's going to be Baptist, there's going to be Pentecostal, there's going to be Methodist, there's going to be Catholic. We are one body and we've got to learn how do we walk in humility with one another. So it's an attitude of humility. It's a learned way of thinking that results in a Behavior, the mark of the kingdom is humility. You see, the kingdom is others first. It's all about others first. Others' needs first before your needs. Other people's hurts before your hurts. When the pressure's on, it's not what can I get out of this? It's what can I give in the middle of this? That's the kingdom of God. This is a kingdom culture. It's an attitude of humility. The Bible says, being in very nature of God, he made himself nothing, nothing. And we have to begin to take on that attitude. I said this a couple weeks ago, but humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking about yourself less. Humility isn't walking around being like, I'm the scum of the earth. I have no value or no worth. I'm, I'm just garbage. I'm not, I'm, I don't have any value in this world. No, no, you're a child of God. God gives you value. God gives you purpose. God gives you mission. But guess what? Humility is this thing that says, I'm not going to just think of myself less. Humility, is, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Don't walk into a room and think it's all about you. Don't walk into a relationship and think it's all about you. Don't walk into a need and think it's all about you. Don't get up in the morning and think everything around life is all about you. Get your attitude thinking about others, the needs of others, the pain of others. And how do you meet those needs and be Jesus in the middle of those needs? 
So we need to have an attitude of humility, a learned way of thinking that results in a behavior, and that behavior is humility. And for some of you, if you're struggling with humility, you need an attitude adjustment. You need a new way of seeing it because attitude is by choice and not by chance. Let me give you the second thing if you're taking notes. We need an attitude of obedience. See, as citizens of a spiritual kingdom, our attitude has to be, I obey. I obey. It's not your way. It's not an argument with God. It's not a bartering with God. It's God, I obey. Here's what the Bible says in Philippians 2, verse 7 and 8. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. He appeared in human form and he humbled himself in what? Obedience to God. In obedience to God. Jesus became obedient. It was an attitude that he had. If Jesus obeyed, let me ask you this. If Jesus obeyed, are we better than Jesus? If the Son of God submitted himself to the authority of his heavenly Father, how much more should you be submitting yourself to the authority of God in heaven? Jesus obeyed. And what I love about this passage of Scripture is it shows us that Jesus didn't just obey in the easy things. The Bible tells us that before Jesus was to go die that death on the cross, that he was in a garden, and his prayer back to his father was, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. God, if I don't have to do this, God, God, I don't really want to go down this road. This is going to be a painful death. But at the end of the day, he says, not my will, but your will be done. God, I will be obedient. And what was he obedient to? He says he was obedient to die a criminal's death on a cross. You see, death on a cross was a humiliating way to die. This was the worst way to die. And Jesus wasn't, willing to, wasn't just willing to die. He was willing to die a humiliating death. He was willing to give up his entire life. He was willing to give up his reputation. He was willing to obey even if it cost him his reputation. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to obey the call of Christ on your life? even if it costs you your reputation. Are you willing to obey? Because that's a kingdom attitude. A kingdom attitude is obedience. God, I obey. But are you willing to obey if it costs you your reputation? Are you willing to say what Jesus wants you to say, even if it costs you your reputation? Are you willing to speak up in a situation when there's injustice that's being done because Jesus has told you to speak? Are you willing to obey? Obey. Are you willing to say? Are you willing to speak? Now, let me just preference this. I've seen too much in the body of Christ. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm willing to say whatever God wants me to say. I'm willing to speak everything that God wants me to speak. And let me just be honest. You need to stop being a jerk for Jesus. Some of you guys are speaking your mind, and it's, hurt, it's hurtful, it's painful, and you are not doing any good for the kingdom of God. Can I just be honest with you? You're like, I'm speaking up, Aaron. I'm doing everything he's asked me to do. But guess what? There's grace and truth. You may be speaking truth, but if you're not speaking it with grace and love in the middle of it, you're pushing people further away from the kingdom of God. Our mission is not to push people further away from the kingdom. Our mission is to bring people into the kingdom. I'm telling you, you can speak truth, but you got to do it with the grace of God in those situations. And when you do it with grace and truth, guess what? It will draw people. It will make people want to become a citizen of heaven and not just a citizen of this world. We've got to walk in grace and truth in these moments. And so we can say, God, I'm going to speak for you, but don't don't stop being a jerk. Stop pushing people away and start saying, God, I'm going to speak with grace and truth. And so we got to say, God, I'm willing to 
obey. No matter what it does to my relationships, no matter what it does to my earning potential, no matter what it does to my status, God, I'm surrendered to you. I'm going to obey. God, wherever you tell me to go, I'm going to go. Whatever you tell me to do, whatever you tell me to say, God, I'm going to say, because God, I'm willing to obey. You see, citizens of the kingdom of God will obey, period. No questions, it's just period. God, I'm going to obey. Well, Aaron, do I get, do I get a vote? No, 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 no. Remember, you are not in a democracy. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. You don't get a voice. You are in the kingdom of God, and he is king, and we are not. And so my response back to God is, God, I will obey. So when God calls you to forgive someone, even though it seems insane, guess what you're going to do? I'm going to obey. Even when God shows up and says, hey, I want you to learn. I want you to begin to do tithe. I want you to begin to honor me through your finances. Maybe it seems crazy to everyone else, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to obey. Whatever God asks me to do, I'm simply going to say yes to him because I have a learned way of thinking. And that learned way of thinking is this, is that it's obedience. My attitude is an attitude of obedience. What you say, God, when you say, God, where you say, God, my answer is yes, because I have an attitude of obedience. Now, let me just be honest with you. I'm not saying this is always going to be easy. I'm not saying that this isn't going to be a challenge at times. I'm not saying that I've mastered this thing. I mean, there's times me and God, we're going back and forth. But guess what? My attitude, my learned way of thinking has to get to a place where I'm simply saying, God, I'm going to obey you. God, I know your way is best. I know that your way is better than my way. So God, I'm going to obey. And here's what you need to understand. Obedience always brings blessing. When there's obedience, there's blessing. Think about this. How many blessings have you missed in your life because you failed to obey? What has been withheld from you because of your lack of obedience? That if you had just said yes and said, God, I'm going to do it, that it would have opened up a whole new opportunity for you. I love this verse in Revelation 12, verse 11. It says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Like that's the scripture we like to put on our refrigerator, right? We are victorious by the the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, our testimony, the blood of the lamb. We're victorious. We want that on our refrigerator. That's a part of the scripture we like to memorize. But look at the second part that we don't ever think about. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. What were they willing to do? We triumph by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. But they didn't shrink from giving up their lives. They obeyed to the point they were willing to die for their faith. And understand this, I'm not trying to stretch you to be willing to die for your faith. I'm just trying to stretch you a little bit where you would be willing to speak up for it. That you say, God, I'm going to obey no matter what. And so I'm going to develop a learned way of thinking that's going to result in a behavior. And that behavior is obedience. The third thing, if you're taking notes this morning, it's this. It's an attitude of endurance. It's an attitude of endurance. That we need to have a learned way of thinking that results in a behavior, and the behavior is endurance. In Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13, Paul would go on to say, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. He goes on, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. 
And so what we see in this passage of scripture is that your salvation, he says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Now you need to understand that, that you are saved by the grace of God. There is no work that you can do. Our salvation is not based on a works. But once you are saved, he says, I want you to continue to work out your salvation. I want you to work hard to show the results of your salvation. It's not a one-time, one-moment thing. You have to learn to endure a bit. That when the pressure is on, and life isn't going the way that you hope for, and there's pressure all around us, guess what we have to do? We have to have an attitude of endurance. An attitude of endurance. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, the Bible says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so here's the picture the Bible paints, that all of the believers who have gone before us are this great cloud of witnesses, and it's like there's a track or there's a field, and we're running on this track, and the great cloud of witnesses are up in heaven saying, hey, you can do it. Keep going. Keep pressing on. And so we see this concept that, guess what? In life, we need to have some endurance. He says, don't give up. Have some run with perseverance. Don't stop short of the goal. Keep going because there are people in heaven that are saying, hey, you can do it. You can make it. Keep on going. And what I love is this, is there is a race marked out for you. And it's specific to you. And that race has not been marked out for me. And so I have to run with perseverance the race that he's marked out for me. And you have to run with perseverance the race that he has marked out for you. And if we're going to run this race, you're going to have to have some endurance. You can't give up a mile in. You can't give up two miles in. you got to set your goal, your eyes on that goal and say, God, I'm going to keep running. God, even though there's pressure all around me, God, I'm going to endure in this season of life because you are going to face resistance because we are not of this world. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And so don't be surprised when you face resistance. Don't be surprised when there's some struggles that come your way. You'll have to choose to keep moving forward. Some of you are here today, and if you're being honest, you're discouraged. Like life has discouraged you. Life is overwhelming. It's been more than you can handle. But even in the middle of your discouragement, you know what you need? You need some endurance. You need to decide, you know what? Even though I'm discouraged right now, I'm going to endure. You need to outlast whatever you are facing. That there are some things in life that you just need to outlast. You just need to decide, you know what, I'm going to endure this. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to take another step today. God, I am not giving up in the middle of it. And some of you just need to outlast whatever you're facing. You need to show up every day. You need to understand that sometimes it doesn't always happen in the big victories. You know how it happens sometimes? It's just endurance. Like, I, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to the finish line, God. God, I know what you've asked of me. God, I'm just going to endure through this season. You're going to keep showing up. You're going to keep waking up and facing another day. You're going to stay consistent. You're going to outlast whatever the thing is that's trying to discourage you. You're going to continue to pray. You're going to continue to show up. You're going to continue to worship God. I'm discouraged, but guess what? You're going to outlast the very thing that has discouraged you. You're going to have an attitude of endurance. You're going to get in that Bible reading plan, and you're going to do it every day. Even though you may not feel like anything's changed today, guess what? I'm going to do it again tomorrow. You're going to worship God today, and maybe you don't feel his presence, but I'm going to get up again tomorrow, and I'm going to worship him again, and I'm going to do it over and over and over and over again. You're going to walk by faith because why? You're going to have an attitude of endurance. You're going to outlast that very thing that is discouraging you in this season of life. It's an attitude of endurance. And there's some days, guess what? You may not run a seven-minute mile. There may be some days 
that it's like a 25-minute mile. It may take you an hour to run that mile. But guess what? That's endurance. It says, you know what? No matter what, no matter where I'm at, I'm just going to keep on pushing forward, God. Because, God, I know what you have for me. So my, my learned way of thinking is going to be a behavior, and that behavior is going to be an attitude of endurance. You see, some of you have gotten off the track. You, you've gotten out of the game. Like you've been discouraged in life and, and maybe your faith has been shaken a little bit. Maybe by some of you, just your age, you stopped running the race that God had for you. And you're like, hey, I'm just going to sit on the sidelines. Can I tell some of you? You need to get back in the race. You are not, and if you have breath in your lungs, then you are not a part of the great cloud of witnesses yet. And you need to get in the game. You need to endure in that season and say, hey, I'm just going to keep pushing forward because God, I know this is what you have for me. You need to understand that his mercies are new every morning. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. You get back up and say, God, I'm getting back in the race today. Because, God, your mercy is new today. I may have blown it yesterday, but, God, I'm not done because I am going to have an attitude of endurance. It's a learned way of thinking that results in a behavior. And the behavior is endurance. And the fourth thing, if you're taking notes this morning, it's this. It's an attitude of praise. An attitude of praise. Philippians 2, verses 14 through 16. Do everything without complaining and arguing. If you have kids in here today, you should like write this and put this on their bedroom door, put it on a mirror somewhere, right? Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. What happens when we do everything without complaining and arguing? We're gonna live clean, innocent, pure and blameless is how it says in another translation, lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. We live not as citizens of this world, but citizens of the kingdom of God. So we're going to shine bright in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Why? Because I'm going to have the attitude of Christ. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on that day, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Paul says, don't complain and argue. Just because we live in this world that we currently live in. Just because you're also a citizen of this world, don't Don't complain and argue. Paul says, I don't want to spend my whole ministry teaching you these things and laboring in vain. I want it to produce something in you. He says, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to be filled with the power of God. Can I tell you that's my heart for you? I want you to know God like you have never known him before. And I want you to be filled with his power, with his grace, with his mercy. So we have to have an attitude of praise. You see, the source of complaining and arguing, the source of praise, is the same. Here's what it is. The source of complaining and arguing and the source of praise come from the same place, and it's contingent on your focus. It's on your focus. You can have an attitude of arguing and complaining because of the things that you're focusing on, or you can choose to have an attitude of praise because of what you're focusing on. What are you focusing on? Because that's going to determine how you respond. It's going to determine your attitude. If I'm focusing on the power of God, the goodness of God, the provision of God, the glory of God, guess what? I'm going to begin to have an attitude of praise because it's what my focus is on. If I'm focusing on all the negative that's going on in the world, if I'm focusing on all the things that I don't have, if I'm focusing on all the things that I don't love and all the things that I want to see change, guess what? You're going to have an attitude of arguing and complaining. And we've got to choose. Am I going to have an attitude of praise or am I going to have an attitude of arguing and complaining? It's a learned behavior, a learned way of thinking that results in a behavior. Psalms 19 verse 14 says it this way. It says, may the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth, may the praise, may the things that I express from my mouth and the things that I think in my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. What is that? That's an attitude of praise. And you choose your attitude. It's not by chance. It's it's by a choice. Like we choose it today. You're gonna determine if you're going to live with arguing and complaining or you're gonna have an attitude of praise. You're gonna choose whether or not you're gonna have that attitude of praise. You're gonna choose whether or not you decide that, you know what, God, no matter what happens around me, no matter what happens in this world, God, I believe that you are still in control, that you are still in the throne. God, I believe that you are faithful and that you are good, God. God, I believe, Lord, that you are my provider and that, God, that you give me provision in every situation and every circumstance. You are the in control, God. So, God, I'm gonna let praise come out of this mouth, God. God, I'm gonna adore you, God. I'm gonna worship you, God. I don't care what's going on around me. God, I don't care what's happening in this world. I don't care what I hear on the news stations or the news channels, God. God, I'm not gonna allow my focus to become on arguing, complaining, God. My attitude is going to be an attitude of praise, God. God, even in the middle of sickness, God, God, I'm going to praise you, God. God, even in the middle of the brokenness of this world, God, I'm going to praise you, God. Why? Because I choose it. It's not by chance, it's by choice. And so every single day I can wake up and I can decide, you know what? God, I'm going to praise you no matter what is happening around me. And that's what we have to do is we have to begin to take on the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And what was it? It was an attitude of praise, not complaining and arguing. It was an attitude of praise. And so my learned way of thinking that results in a behavior is I'm going to think about and focus on his goodness and his greatness. Maybe you're here and you're like, Aaron, life is so miserable for me right now. I can't praise him. I don't have anything to praise him about. Start here. Start with focusing on the cross. That while I was still a sinner, while I was still a mess, Christ died for me. Focus on the empty tomb, the fact that he died and he rose again. And if he died and rose again, that meant he also had the power to forgive us of our sins and that I am forgiven of all of the mistakes that I've made. Focus on the breath that you have in your lungs, that he has given you breath. Focus on a church community around you that will help push you and and, and encourage you to live out this faith that you have in Jesus Christ. Focus on the fact that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Focus on things that are good. Focus on the greatness of God. Focus on God's provision. And guess what? As you begin to focus on those things, praise will begin to come out of your mouth. Because arguing and complaining and praise are both the results of your focus. So what are you going to focus on? Your attitude is by choice and not by chance. And if there's things in us, if our attitude is not the same as that of Christ Jesus, you need an attitude adjustment. You need to change. And say, God, I want to reflect the same attitude that you showed this world because I want to show this world Jesus each and every day. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, God, right now, Lord, I pray that you would give us... Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope this message helped you to connect with God and connect with others. Be sure to click the subscribe button to stay up to date with new messages each and every week. For more information about our church or for an opportunity to give to this ministry, simply go to victoryhill.org. 
Thank you, and we hope you have an amazing week.